490.9 WRCJ and Detroit Public Television. I'm Linda Gion. And it is my great honor, distinct pleasure, um, to talk to the one and only jazz violinist extraordinaire, Regina Carter. Regina, it's great to see you and hear you again. Oh, so wonderful to see you, Linda. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, the pleasure is all ours. And I would pick up the Zoom call and call you anytime. But <laughs> it's so special because to kick off Jazz Appreciation Month 2023 at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., you, Kenny Garrett, and Lewis Hayes will be featured in concert to receive your NEA Jazz Master Awards, National Endowment for the Arts, I should say, and to be in concert. This is a banner day for jazz in general and for Detroit jazz um, specifically. So let's roll. <laughs> I'm over the moon, as the old people would say. <laughs> I'm still in disbelief, you know. Uh, I, you know, I know it's happening. I do these interviews, and I, I, I'm in touch, you know, making all the arrangements. And then I say, really, this is really happening. Um, and I, and I'm really excited. I'm so honored. Um, and the fact that it's three Detroiters, um, I couldn't be more proud of my city, three Detroiters. And I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, put Sue Mingus in, she's going to be an honorary, uh, Michigander Detroiter for this, but it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, that Detroit, it's amazing on one hand that the three of us for, are from Detroit, but it's not amazing. You know, it's just the city. Detroit is extremely unique and special. <clears throat> it sure is. And, but see, the thing is, is that this is not your first rodeo. This is not your first major award. I mean, you are a MacArthur Genius Grantee. So what does the, what is the difference between say, the NEA Jazz Master Award, and some of the many other awards and accolades, all deserved, I might add, that have come your way. You know, uh, every award is very special. Um, it's, they're like uh, green lights, if you will, I call them, to say you're on the right path. And everyone has their own path, their own journey. Um, and so sometimes it feels like when you're out here doing this, doing this, doing music, being self-employed, uh, sometimes it's like, what am, what am I doing? And I think that's probably everyone at certain points in our lives, we question what we're doing, but any award that I've received, I feel like it's a green light, like, yes, keep going. You're on the right track. And of course, you know, um, winning the MacArthur was probably, that was so huge uh, for me in my, in my life. Um, 
and then being a Doris Duke artist as well after that. And then on top of it, this, it's, uh, I'm blown away. So, you know, uh, yeah. You know, I, I guess I never figure I'm at a point, maybe I'm expecting, expecting to be re like, okay, now I'm ready to, at this point, I feel like I can receive this award or, or, or at this point. And it, it, I don't think it feels like that probably for anyone, because every time we get where we think there is, I tell students, when you get there, you move the bar. And so you're never there. And that's, that's the beauty of life is that as long as we're on this planet, there's so much to learn. There is, you know, and I could compare you to two people who uh, really kept going in their careers and their artistry and their soul and their spirit. Um, the first would be Ella Fitzgerald, who remained humble and, you know, uh, just a, a beacon of humility throughout her career. And another person I'd compare you to would be Duke Ellington. Mm. who also just kept on adapting and growing and taking what he'd done, say, in 1927 and make it, you know, <laughs> really applicable for 1967. You know, this is, this is, this is the genius of jazz and you've got it. <laughs> Well, thank you, Linda. That's a huge honor. And to be to be included <laughs> with those two greats who I I, I idolize both. Um, and the thing that you said about <clears throat> Ella being so so humble and um, knowing that she was active she was active in, with civil rights movement and all the things that she went through as a woman and a black woman to help pave the way for someone like me many, many years later. Um, but being humble and knowing that for me, I know, I don't, I know that the music comes through me, not from me. Um, and just having life experiences and allowing those experiences to help guide me and to guide my music. And I've had some opportunities, um, that I never even thought about early on in my in my career or in my life. There's so many ways in which to use music. Um, and the, the longer I live, you know, I can I can serve. I love playing for audiences and touring, but I can also play for people in nursing homes, hospitals. I do uh, hospice work and end of life work. And so all of that feeds feeds my soul and helps and yeah, it just helps me to stay humble. Exactly. And you know who else might say the same thing as you is Kenny Garrett, because Kenny Garrett goes the distance. Uh, he is one of the most amazing, amazing jazz educators now. I'm oh, yeah. Really, really proud of Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's so amazing to think Kenny Garrett, um, I got a chance to hang out with him a bit in Cuba for the International Jazz Day some years back. Um, and I didn't know him growing up in Detroit. He was, he was um, a few years, just a few years older. Um, he was in the same uh, 
I'd say group of Jerry Allen, the late Jerry Allen, Marion Hayden, um, and those guys. And I came up with more Galen McKinney um, and James Carter was a little under me and Rodney Whitaker, but he's such an amazing, not only an amazing musician, composer and teacher, but also just the way he thinks about life and approaches life and with his music. Um, it was really, I, I, it was really, uh, it was like having a class talking to him, you know, the little bit of time I got to spend with him in Cuba. Good for you. And, you know, let's include Lewis Hayes in this discussion as well. Oh yeah. One of the yeah. things that I've noticed about Lewis Hayes is that he never forgets a face or a name and he always has a smile for you mm -hmm. and he always has great things to say about everyone else what a role model exactly yeah and to be he's such a treasure i'm super excited and and thankful that he's receiving his flowers while he's still here um a gentleman's gentleman and always impeccably dressed as well. Uh, I had a chance to work with him and the late Marcus Belgrave um, in Chicago, along with Galen McKinney and some others a, a while back um, for a Detroit project, but it was in Chicago, but always so encouraging. And the stories, the history that's there, it's incredible, you know, I, yeah. It is incredible. And he was just a kid when he left Detroit and started just put, setting New York on fire. Yeah, he brought that spang a lang to it. Those were those were some other days, you know. I wish sometimes I could go back and just be a fly on the wall during those days. So much, so much music going on. Um, unfortunately, you know, in New York, so many of the clubs have closed. Uh, the scene is just different. The world is different now than it was then, but um, so much great history that happened at that time. <clears throat> Let's do a little Detroit history. So uh, one of the most delightful events I ever attended was uh, a concert that you did with Carla Cook in your <laughs> church um and i know that um, church in detroit and family was really really important to you can you share a, a story or two with uh, detroit public television yes i'd love to um what's so funny carla carla cook great jazz vocalist she's the reason that i play jazz we met in high school cast tech high uh, in ninth grade, she played upright bass and orchestra. I was in the violin section. I know all these things. <laughs> and then we were in choir and magicals together, but we were also in Spanish class together and we sat next to each other. It was alphabetical. And I think we held up the same piece of paper. Ike would be like <laughs> a month old, the same. And I passed it over to her to hold up. Um, but we, she would talk about Eddie Jefferson and Sarah Vaughn and Ella Miles. And I didn't really know, I knew Ella's name, but it was just a record I had in my house that I'd listened to from time to time. And she 
brought me my first records, uh, three jazz violinists, Noel Pointer, John Leponti, and Stefan Grappelli. And when we were 16 and she was driving, she got tickets to see Stefan Grappelli live at P-Jazz. Um, so that was pretty amazing. But so when we first met and I wanted to go over her house if she wanted to come over. So then, you know, parents got on the phone and said, okay, let me meet these parents and see where you're going. And so her mom and my mom got on the phone and started talking. And then her mother, Mrs. Cook said, oh, well, we go to um, St. John's church uh, on Woodward. My mom grew up in that church. In fact, my, my mother's mother, my grandmother, Sarah, Sarah McCaskill Williamson, she was the first pianist and organist for the church before it was in the building that you came to. It was around the corner. And then it moved and she was a, a pianist and organist there. And when I was growing up, we went to Plymouth, which is where Marion Hayden's family and so many others went. But sometimes we go and visit St. John's or I'd play a concert with my grandmother. And my grandmother graduated actually from Morris Brown with a degree in piano pedagogy in 1915 which is rare for a woman and even rarer for a black woman. I have her original degree with the stamp, her graduation plate. But so Carla's mom and my mom found out they were both in education and that we were in the same church. And so our families, you know, became very close. Um, and Carla and I took music classes together at Cass Tech and would write tunes together with some of our other friends there at Cass and started gigging together. Um, and now a hundred years later, we're both in New York and we uh, work together from time to time still. Ah, oh, what a beautiful story. You know, family is truly important and mm -hmm. you reflect um, those values that uh, are in Detroit. Um, Detroit Public Television has been examining how church um, influences the city and vice versa and the cultural aspect of uh, life in Detroit. And you're living it uh, now on the East Coast, but you are <laughs> living proof of um, what is so important other aspect of um, Regina Carter that's just super important is the variety in your recordings. Um, of course, we, I go back all the way to the straight ahead days, but then when you started out and you were doing your own sessions, you decided, or I don't know if, if you decided it, but someone decided that there should be variety in the presentations. So there was the Ella Fitzgerald tribute, uh, there was Swing States, uh, there was the recording that uh, you did with the MacArthur Grant mm -hmm. of African music, um, the Motor City Moments, I could go on and on. Um, what's next? <laughs> what would you do next? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I... I was I recorded with Atlantic two solo records and those records were considered smooth jazz whatever that means so and when I when I um, signed with Verve they wanted more of a straight ahead and I remember turning in my first record and the A and R the artist and repertoire um, person assigned to me said 
well, your your music is all over the place. People won't know how to how to categorize you or what. And I said, I'm I'm not gonna pick one thing. I love all of this music. It's just music. And growing up in Detroit and listening to the radio stations, we heard such a wide variety of music under that umbrella of jazz on the station. So I and plus growing up in Detroit, I heard Motown all the jazz cats would be on those sessions, as you know, string players from the orchestra. Um, uh oh, the train is going by. Hold on one second. <laughs> we live in Petticoat Junction. <laughs> I think they he might be out in post. <laughs> okay. Our house is the blow line. I, you know what, I, I, most of the time I don't even hear it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really soothing. I know. Is he going to keep, he's done. Okay. Um, but I, you know, just hearing all of that music, my brothers were listening to, you know, rock station or, you know, the Beatles, there was Motown. And then of course <clears throat> you drive anywhere in the city. You might hear, if you go to Greek town, you'd hear some Greek classical music, or you go to um, um, Mexican village, it was called back then, Mexican town, you'd hear authentic Mexican folk music, mariachi, you might hear, you go, there was the, the Chaldean section of town. So there was all of this music from all these different um, ethnic groups that were living in and around Detroit. So all of those sounds were in my head. And when the A&R guy said, well, you have to pick one. I said, I can't, you know, all these sounds are there. So I, I have, I need to be able to express music. Um, so I, I, I have a lot of um, curiosity when it comes to music and culture, because of course you cannot separate the culture from the music. Um, but at this point, I've been working on a project actually since I think it was 2011. And it started with uh, an area in Detroit where my mother grew up in 1926 in Black Bottom. And about the 1956 um, Highway Act that destroyed Black Bottom, Paradise Valley, so many areas and put highways in. And I thought it was only happening in Detroit. But in, during my research, I saw that it happened in every major city across the United States. So my project now has been, um, I've, I've, um, I'm concentrating on five cities and um, showing photographs while we play, quotes and playing music. And some of the, the, the um, lyrics are either from poems that Leslie Reese, who's from Detroit, she interviewed several people that grew up in Black Bottom, some of her poetry, but also just some of the readings and the findings I have. Um, and I, Carla Cook does that with me, as well as another Detroiter, uh, vocalist Mickey Braden. So she's been doing work with me too. So it's been, it's been an incredible journey just digging into all of this history. Uh, and I've been touring it um, and, and still putting it together. So that's my, that's my, my current project, Gone in a Phrase of Air. I saw that on your website. Now I know. And I hope it comes to Detroit um, because we will get it. And um, believe me, there's a lot of consciousness in the city going on regarding Black Bottom. Oh, I yeah. just uh, toured 
the uh, Wright Museum, and um, that that is a big aspect of uh, their presentation. The Wright Museum is going to carry the live stream of the NEA Jazz Masters concert oh, on the first uh, of April. Uh, the stream will also be on the uh, WRCJ FM website. And so as we wrap up, uh, what kind of things are the three of you planning for that big concert that kicks off um, Jazz Appreciation Month? Well, the three of us have a short segment where we perform um, you know, a couple of tunes with our own band bands and then we'll come together at the end um for uh one or two pieces i believe it is and we've been just all back and forth trying to figure out what that's what that's going to be um so we probably won't know until we get there definitely you know we could decide now it's going to be this and you know when you get together and start talking and you're really there in the space then all these ideas really start popping up and come to life. Mm-hmm. All right. And one final question that just occurred to me. Um, having uh, seen the speeches at the Oscars and the like, if you had some advice for a little girl who looks like you, what would that advice and dream be? to work hard, dream hard, dream harder, know that there's no such thing as no. Um, if you want something, you truly want it, you just have to realize that sometimes that no is just a speed bump. And there are so many things we can want in life. And we see, once we find out how much work something takes, that helps to eliminate what isn't necessarily our passion and then it makes room for the thing that we're really passionate and feel strongly about and very connected and the universe guides us and i know it sounds airy fairy but it's it's really true i think we attract what we think about the most uh, we don't have to know how we're getting from a to b we just have to be intentional about getting there amen regina thank you thank you linda thank you so much <laughs> for 90.9 wrcj and detroit public television i'm linda yawn <laughs>